0: So you can be quiet <laughs> the longest.
1: That's what I do for my kids. We play quiet game. One, two, three, quiet. Yeah. Whoever can go the longest How
2: wins. We're back with episode 759 of Big Hunt Guys podcast. Man, we've been doing
1: this for a while.
2: Man, so we are crank.
1: We're turning them, turning and burning,
2: churning and burning. We're back in the Stone Glacier tent, and through the feedback that we received from our listeners, people enjoyed the podcast post go on original film to kind of go in depth on what went on the film so today we're going to be talking about brady's film that was just released one more ridge if you haven't checked it out check it out it's on youtube channel we're also doing a giveaway for that so be sure to check out the giveaway in the description we're going to dive into brady's idaho deer hunt but everything brady everything brady everything mule deer on i don't even know i don't even know if that was the right state Brady will—we'll never know where he was hunting. A state in the west. Is it in the
1: west though? <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's in the west. If yeah. people
2: don't know yet, Brady hates talking about his spots. He hates even Absol- mentioning the state that he was hunting in.
1: Absolutely drives me crazy. My goal is to get him, to get him to to say something. I mean, I, the title.
2: One more ridge in Idaho deer hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. <laughs> Done for. Uh, Busted Brady. I'm going to walk out right now. I think we should first start off with, how was it getting your Idaho deer tag? Oh,
0: my gosh.
2: We actually have a YouTube video on this, too. This was an old What's Bugging Brady. So this would have been in 20...
0: This was 2020 20. 20 where you had to pick up the tag for yeah, last year. Yeah, because you get him
2: in December. Brady yeah. got a lot of hate for that video, didn't he? This, is, this, I this <laughs> was <laughs> the...
0: Re- residents don't like me.
1: What's Bugging Brady? You, yeah. When you talk about Idaho's system.
2: Yeah. So this was the first year that they had this new system. Yep. Tell, yep. So, tell us a little about that that process. I mean, we're all, we're all in that process, but.
0: Yeah. So it was a little fiasco. I mean, they had their, you know, you always had, tags always went on sale on December 1st, but normally they didn't sell out. And this was the first year they actually had individual quotas for non-residents, for deer in, I guess we're saying it's the state of Idaho because it we're talking about idaho it's an so, idaho deer okay home. so i gotta talk about idaho now <laughs> and so those tags went on sale what they go on sale like it's nine o'clock our time it was like 10 o'clock your time trail yeah so it's, it's going on sale in the morning on december 1st and you basically can log in early it doesn't really matter how early you log in you're eventually gonna be put into a waiting room basically right. a queue and you'll get a randomized number and then they start going off that random number for your, those person to pick up tags and so we all got screwed royally and just get random numbers that are crazy
2: high. I, I remember thinking, because none of us had any clue what this process was going to look like. I remember thinking, like, all right, if we get an hour early, once we get in the queue, we're going to be further along sure. in the line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Not we the case. Then we come to find out. It's random. Yeah, Does we, it doesn't matter.
0: We, we, we even had people say, oh, you guys are liars. Like, you, you, like if you would have logged in earlier, you got a better number. Like, we logged in way early, did not get a better number. We've had guys at the office who logged in three minutes beforehand, and they got a better number than we did. Yeah. It's totally random. And, yeah, so then you get put in the waiting room, and then it was, I don't know what it was, three hours, didn't we wait to get oh, my tag? Yeah.
2: What line, do you remember what you were in the I
0: was. I swear I was like 13,000 or I think I was like
1: 11,000. That.
0: Yeah, so it was 13,000. So I had to keep waiting, and I kept seeing little pop ups on the screen like, oh, some elk tags are sold out, some deer units are starting to sell out. And I was like, freaking out, like, am I actually going to get a deer tag? Yeah. So essentially,
1: what it does is you have to wait, you wait in line until your spot, and then you get, what, 10 minutes?
0: Yep. So these to. yeah, that's why in the back of my mind ahead of time, I was like, I don't know how popular this is going to be, but I'm going to have a list of, you know, three Mm -hmm. to five different units that I actually want to pick up a tag for and i can't remember exactly how they determine those tag numbers for non residents. i think it was based on your prior harvest or not harvest but survey data to determine hey these are how many tags we can give out for non-residents in every unit basically what it was is to reduce non-resident competition
1: yeah and those are on a unit basis so yep. you, you pick up a unit one unit you can only hunt
0: one unit mm-hmm. for deer and you can't bounce around anymore and so it's interesting so yeah, I picked up my tag in that process after being super stressed out. Did and you
1: get your first tag, the one that you wanted?
0: No, I did not.
1: You got? Did you get your second tag? You I don't it. know if I
0: got my second. <laughs> I don't know if I got my fifth. I got some. I got a tag. You, got a tag. you guys always what? know my strategy though. If I can pick up any sort of mule deer tag in any state, I will be happy. Mm-hmm. So it, it is still like one of my choices because I, I'm just happy with any tag.
2: But was have you ever even looked at this area? Knew anything about this spot? Was it just like completely like? No, I've completely. never been in here. I just wanted to do your take. I'm just going to pick this one because this one's available.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've never stepped foot, but, you know, it's going to be a good unit.
2: <laughs> what unit was it?
1: <laughs>
0: You're trying, <laughs> you trying to bait me, me in.
1: Come on. You no, know you want to. No. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a fiasco to get a permit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the thing that
0: I hated most, which I probably didn't do a good job explaining it, is I just felt bad for all the people who aren't, able to sit near their phone for three hours or sit mm-hmm. next to the computer for three hours. Maybe they have a construction job, maybe they're traveling or those family members who can't apply as a party and pick up a tag. Yeah. So I talked to a lot of people like the last couple of years now, they're like, hey, we've been hunting Idaho for so long as a family camp. You know, we always, hunt the same area now they can't do that anymore
1: I think that's the biggest complaint that I've I've heard from people that I've talked to is they just didn't have the option to pick up a permit for the same unit as a buddy you know there's yep. no, there's no guarantee I mean you and I yeah. we've kind of lined out units that we wanted to elk hunt and we've never been able to buy the same permit for the same mm-hmm. you know unit or you know group of units for elk
0: yeah and so that's the hard part and the part that I didn't like as well we continued that same system into 2022 mm-hmm. without knowing hey where's the data behind this can we actually see some data but it's not like, did that prevent overcrowding in some of these units? Mm. You know, like everyone hates to say it, but there's a, still a lot of resident overcrowding.
1: Yeah, there and is. I mean, there's definitely less non there's less non residents. I mean, yep. there there has to be. And, uh, and
0: the tag numbers are always the same. You know, mm-hmm. capped at the same number, so it's not like they gave out less tags this, this time, sure. but they were just more spread out in the numbers. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Just part of the process, though. I mean, it is. Yeah, its i it got
0: like Idaho's not a fallback state anymore. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are proud to say that because like they, it kind of got like this stigma of yeah, it's just a last resort kind of state. Yeah. And, and nah. to
1: their to their credit, to I mean, to Idaho Game and Fish credit, I mean, they're trying to address social issues that they're hearing. Oh, yeah. I mean, from their residents, their residents are saying, hey. It's too crowded. There's too many non-residents, and you know they're looking at a, a means to try to address that issue. So I can't, I can't fault them. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it kind of sucks as a non-resident, but at the same time, I mean, everything, you know, it changes. It, it, it you, is you what just, it is. You just yeah. gotta adapt and play the game. And
0: yeah, the only thing like would have made it better for me is you could apply as a party mm-hmm. with your buddies.
1: Yeah, I agree. It is kind of funny though. Every year December first, I know that we're God,
2: kicking oh, that's, the mic. It's this one. I didn't even kick anything. It's got to be this connector because it's still – you can still hear – oh, there we go.
0: Neville's touching stuff. It's
2: this one. There we go.
0: There we go. Mic check. (laughs) This is why I always run this thing, (laughs) not (laughs) not put it next to Neville. Yeah, watch out.
1: Yeah, I was just saying it is kind of – it has been kind of fun like the last two years, you know, December 1st. It's it's almost like, uh, you know, a a draw deadline or – did yours just go out again? Mine went out. No.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's uh-huh. out. Mine's Uh-oh. out. It's this cord, because it's still doing fine on the recording. Where's this one?
1: This one goes into right here. It keeps going in and out. It's back now. Just don't a- touch the cords, boys. <laughs> We're alive. <laughs> yes, I was just saying it's uh it it has been fun. It's almost like uh, you know, a draw result kind of vibe, mm-hmm. you know? especially between the three of us i mean we we played the game and we're kind of checking in with each other and texting and calling and oh yeah and we were, we're constantly on jumping slack. on some
0: slack and google meets and it's like
1: yeah like what number did you get you yeah. know and it makes it fun yeah i think maybe there's something to being farther north because i've been in cedar city in my office and i've i've got a better number two years in a row than you guys okay. have okay
0: okay, look at that intel
1: mm uh-huh. Yeah, but it's not that much better. I think I was like eh, maybe 45 minutes ahead of you guys is all.
0: So what happens if we go to Alaska around December 1st? That means we're like we're number one for sure. Yeah.
1: I wonder what happens if you just show up at the office up there. I know. I'm, I'm too scared to do that. <laughs> Field trip. Field trip.
0: <laughs> I just thought there was a armrest over here in my chair and just like almost fell over.
1: Yeah, yesterday Neville leaned into that one pretty yeah, heavy and, one. and about fell out of the chair. So that was, f- that was pretty funny. We do need some new chairs in here.
2: We had a bunch of yetis, but I don't know where they all went. Yeah. Gone.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it is a relief, though, right, that December 1st, I know that for me, like this year, I got an elk tag, I got a deer tag, you got... I got a deer tag. Oh, you did? What unit? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, you know, you got uh, a deer, deer tag, tag. Yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, it it is, it is great that, like, December 1st, a whole year in advance, I mean, essentially, a lot of us, our hunting seasons have just wrapped. Yep, and you're and already trying to plan instantly. De- December 1st, you're already... You know, picking up a permit and planning and, and buying and, and having one in yeah. your back pocket. It's
0: nice knowing that I already have a deer tag. It is nice. It's very nice. And I've already started to do a bunch of maps research ahead of time, trying to figure out, hey, these are areas i have killed deer in the past. Like, where that terrain similar to some of these other places? Like, I'm already mm-hmm. dialing in way ahead of time because I have so much time before all these our states had to have any apps do. So, I'm yeah. like, I have a better plan going into Idaho than ever because you pick up those tags early now.
1: Yeah, and you can... I don't know. I mean, I don't know how deep we want to go down the rabbit hole, but you can return them. So, I mean, like right now, you know, I've drawn some elk tags, which I didn't think I was going to draw. And I've still got that elk tag for Idaho. And I can turn that thing back in up until June, I think, and get like a 50% refund, which, you know, I'm going to eat some money. But at the same time, it's... Yeah. You know, and it's important like, to me, and I've got a tag in my pocket. And,
0: like, I know what we all do. We all still apply for the controlled yeah. draw. So oh, if you, yeah, if you absolutely. Do, if you, I do deer, so if I apply for a deer and I draw it, I'm going to probably turn my yeah. OTC tag in yeah, and convert I'll it over. St- I'll control. still
1: apply for deer, elk, and antelope and, and hope that I pick up an even better permit. Might be another elk tag. That'd be sweet. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You guys don't need <laughs> Broken backs is what we would have. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So what what time of year? I mean, is it an October hunt?
0: Yeah, October hunt. So the way I kind of – since you know, I guess I'm a little bit fortunate and it was nice when the storm system was, but I try to schedule this hunt around a snowstorm because hmm. it's October. Everyone knows, or if you don't know, hunting mule deer in October is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. They strip their velvet, they're heading into the timber, they're not rutting. It's usually kind of, depending on where you're at, it could be warm weather. And so like, I don't want to hunt bucks that are just timbered up and I can't see them.
1: Do you feel like that October time frame?
0: most of those bucks are just holed up? There's holed up in some little hell hole that you use at the Find them, and Mm -hmm. there's no rhyme or reason for where they're at because a lot of the terrain can look very similar. Right, and especially all these other states you go to, like what determines a good habitat from bad habitat? Like you only really know from boots in the ground experience once you're out there, and then kind of start to figure some things out. But still a crapshoot a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But where to do it? So I tried to schedule it around when I knew it was going to be a big nasty snowstorm because that worked for me in years past in in Idaho. And just so happens we got the storm I was looking for and Mm -hmm. got a lot of weather. Which
1: you you like the snow? I love the snow. I mean, do you genuinely like hunting in the snow? Like, do you like it, or do you just like the potential results? I like the. Per-
0: I definitely like the potential results. The struggle that you have to go through when mm-hmm. you're in the moment is probably not as enjoyable as, you know, just some good weather and, yeah. and glass forever. You don't have to worry about the fog and the snow and losing visibility. But the outcome, and I think the biggest thing to me too is, it's just another way to out compete other hunters out there mm-hmm. i know to sound like a big ass like oh, i also love to like you know there's the competition when you're hunting it doesn't have to be but it's like to me that as an element of other people to be lazy not go as far not hunt as hard just like you know maybe right. they might just avoid that snowstorm and go after the snowstorm and that was like yeah the whole month of october to hunt it so it's like mm-hmm you don't always have to go at the same time.
1: Yeah. And I don't think you have to look at it like a competition between you and other, other hunters per se. I mean, ultimately your goal is to be out there to be successful, right? Yep, it and is. so you're, you're going to to
0: put all the cards in my pocket. That'll lead me to be successful. But I also like, I do enjoy a struggle. Like there is something to me like about me that I just enjoy a suffer fest. Yeah. To me, the more I suffer and if I don't I have to take the biggest deer in the world, if I suffer and I'm in a really cool environment and it's snowstorm I see a bunch of snow on that buck's back or antlers, and he's bedded down. I take a, a good buck. Like That, to me, is a really cool story that I leave from, and that mm-hmm. almost is more valuable than the antler size.
1: You like the aftermath of the struggle. Yeah. At least that's me. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to want to project onto you, but for me, that's – Right. I like the aftermath of the struggle. When I'm in the struggle, I don't necessarily love the struggle. No. Mm-hmm.
2: It's not till after you realize, like, okay.
1: Yeah, that was pretty epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that type 2 fun, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it snowed.
0: Yeah, snowed a (laughs) shit (laughs) ton.
1: Snowed prior to your hunt or right while you were there?
0: Uh, Right basically when we were there. And the funny thing is, is we kind of got up there a little bit late and uh, the season was already going, but that's when the snowstorm was going to happen. And this is not on the film, but as we're hiking up, we ran into two guys from California and they both recognized me right away. And, uh, and then I was like, oh yeah, how's it going guys? See any deer? And like, we've been up here for, I think they said like two or three days or like, yeah, it's going to suck. Like, we haven't seen a freaking buck. Hmm. And they're like, yeah, I'm sure you can find deer. Maybe you've already scouted deer. But it's not you know, Brady, like, we haven't seen any deer at all, and we're heading out of here.
1: Does that play in your head at all at that moment when you hear that? And the guy, somebody tells you, I've just been in here for five days and haven't seen a buck? What <laughs> yeah, are, part, part of me
0: <laughs> would be a little concerned, but also I had scouted that unit twice in the summer. So yeah. I've been up there twice doing summer scouting.
1: Mm-hmm. How and long does it take you to get there, you figure? Like, drive time. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: it took me a hundred <laughs> hours to get there.
2: How did how did you
0: pick this spot? Basically, I picked this spot by taking all. Like I talked about this before about that the power of our train analysis tool. Like there is a lot of power there that people I don't think realize how to unleash it. So in Go Hunt Maps, basically what I do is I take every single kill waypoint I've ever had for mule deer, mm-hmm. and I try to separate them up by by months because I took so I looked at all my October mule deer kills. What sort of Mountain like aspect ratio and face and slope, elevation that I killed those bucks are on. Yeah, a lot of it could be random, but there's starting to be a little bit of a trend. The more data points I get, yeah, I don't have a you know a shit ton of data points because it's always mm-hmm. hard to pick up tags everywhere, but I'm starting to see trends in the terrain the type of features, the type of ridgelines, where they're facing. And I start to, like, basically I'm extrapolating that data and looking into the units that I have tags for to try to find a better spot to go You're working
1: backwards, right? You're you're taking note and data from Mm -hmm. success that you've had or where you've seen deer, and you're working backwards, and And you're starting to develop a, a picture.
0: Yep. And that's what I do every time I go hunting. Like, I don't just mark, hey, I saw a buck. I mark hey i saw some does if it's a later hunt like november i want to know where the does are too so mm-hmm. i start marking all the does i start marking all the even the elk i want to know where elk could be because if it's an overcounter elk unit that's going to be elk pressure on that hunt there's elk hunters in there so i take all, all sorts of just data points and plot them on my map and to start figuring out okay these are the terrain features and then, then i like i said extrapolate it to the unit right. i'm in and to try to figure out hey where are the water source is at where can people go to to get that water and then it's a limiting factor if you go further than some of these water sources because everyone needs that water unless you want to drop all the way down the mountain and most people know most states like Wyoming, idaho you know water's a hard commodity to get in the mountains without dropping elevation are you
1: thinking in in in, uh, relation water specifically in relation to you having water or to mule deer having water
0: mainly for me because a lot of stuff i've seen like mule can find ways to get water like Mm -hmm. from the vegetation or the whatever they're getting it from it's like that's what you, i've seen you know you don't have to have like oh yeah there needs to be a, a pond up here or a little seep out of the mountain they're not gonna get their water from there they're yeah. gonna get their water from these remote places that we don't even know about or the vegetation
1: yeah i mean even early early season you know utah muzzleloader end of uh, you know september early october seems like maybe every third or fourth day uh you know a buck that i'm kind of hunting will disappear maybe for a day and mm-hmm. i'm like oh, i wonder where the hell he went Maybe he's going for water, but it definitely doesn't seem to be that they're tied to water the way an antelope or an elk might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that,
2: that was, like, one of my questions when I was watching this this film. Because, like, obviously you're going into a spot you knew the water was limited. Yep. And you knew, even knew for yourself, like, you weren't going to have that much drinking water. You
0: weren't going to have that much water. like, I have some
2: and like a, a lot of people were, like, if I'm going to a spot, like, there needs to be water, not for just me, but for the animals. So, yep. like, you feel, like you guys were just mentioning, like, mule deer don't need as much water as maybe we would think
1: not like an elk not like they're not tied to it like an elk is and i mean they'll they'll travel for water and, and i'm Mike brady and even if there's enough you know if there's enough moisture and vegetation that seems to be enough to hold a mule deer over where it doesn't for an elk an elk's got to go to water An it's got to go to water but a mule deer doesn't seem to be that way and
0: that's kind of why i harp a lot of times too and i know trail like we both have biology backgrounds mm-hmm. that's why i feel like reading Yeah, you can read a hunting book all day and get hunting tactics but like the real meat and potatoes of how these animals tick how they work is through biology reports. And I I cut my teeth on anything about, you know, habitat requirements, you know, feed requirements, whatever it is, water requirements for an animal. Like, I have so many PDF documents on my computer. I've either paid for some of these reports, Mm -hmm. got them for free through Google Scholar, just diving through some things. Like, that's how you start to learn everything about the species you want to hunt.
1: Yeah, life history. Mm -hmm. That stuff is, like, I think... Vastly underrated as far as, like, part of the the overall skill set of a hunter to be successful mm-hmm. year in and year out. Like, really understanding, like, when an animal does what and why.
0: Yeah. What makes them tick yeah. During what season and why they need to be there. Do mm-hmm. they have all the nutrition requirements that they need to survive? Yeah.
1: So, going back to snow, I mean, do you like snow, because like, working under the thought that it's going to push – Deer out into the open, or it's just going to be, you know, make them more visible.
0: I think it's both. um To me, they're going to be more visible. I'm going to be able to see, like, some of the terrain I hunt, you know, it's going to be timbered, might be some burns, and hmm. it's going to allow me to see into. Burns. Set,
1: s- get that? Burns. In, into All burns. Into right, burns. we can narrow it down. <laughs> deer,
0: you know, this is <laughs> a common factor. Deer like burns, so, you know. <laughs> And it's just like, so you can be able to see into that terrain, see into that, the timber and actually see deer bedded down. Like that's a big like bonus to be able to see deer bedded because if you only see them when they're active in the morning, what do you do for the next six hours in the middle of the day? Like you have to start, you know, that's why I start carrying giant optics. I want to be able to pick up that shadow, dissect that shadow. Is that an antler tine bedded down in the snow? Well, it's going to be a lot easier. I would say if it's in snow rather than just dark timber with Mm -hmm. green grass
1: everywhere it is crazy how much that gray body pops Pops. off of snow yeah versus just like a green or kind of a dull gray or you know Mm -hmm. brown background of a landscape you get that snow it really jumps
0: yeah and if you have you know if it's snowing for a while those deer are going to be bed and also want to stop snowing those deer have to come up and start Mm -hmm. feeding a little bit they have to start pawing the ground getting out the feed, or get out the the brows and Mm -hmm. like that's where you're gonna see them Mm -hmm. that time of year
2: so what was your what was kind of your game plan you knew snowstorm was coming and then as in the video you can see that you kind of Hiked in quite a ways, made a camp, then you made a different camp. Kind of, yep. what was your your game plan you had going for that?
0: Well, I, I initially wanted to get all the way in there in one go, but it was a little bit slower because we had. How a lot many of miles ways. we talking? A lot. Let's just put it that way. A double lot. double digits. We're gonna get into double digits, yeah. Okay. So we're going in deep, super deep, and that's why we made that first camp. And then I talked about this a little bit in the video, but I want to maybe reemphasize a little bit. It's the strategy of moving camp during bad weather conditions. Mm. So I feel it's very beneficial. I like can hunt like this. Like my days are limited to hunting. So if it's going to be a snowstorm the next day and we still have to go further, I'm not going to sit around camp and just, you know, sit in a tent ride like this and ride it out. Like we have to be moving. I want to get to my next hunting spot. So when that storm breaks, Break. I am ready to go. I don't want to move during the during the day, miss all that time, move in the morning when it's actually classing time or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we moved camp in a huge nasty snowstorm it was brutal my hands were so numb mm-hmm. frost on my beard like just going during the snowstorm because yeah it's gonna suck once i get to camp we have to dig out all the snow pitch our tp yeah. try to find dry firewood but then i'm ready to go the next yeah. day yeah you're I'm not wasting good
2: not wasting any time. time yeah
1: yeah yeah and i think i mean i wrote that article recently my biggest buck i'm a thousand percent certain that i only killed that buck because I hunted the backside of a storm. Mm-hmm. I think that buck had been bedded. Yep. I think he probably hadn't got up for a day or so to feed because you know he doesn't want to get up in the wind and the rain and all that. And I think I think that can be really beneficial. I think those those hours right after a big storm breaks, man, they got to get up and, and move. You know, mm-hmm. I think that buck that I killed was just totally nocturnal. You know, yep. I think that's the only reason I ever saw that buck is because it was on the backside of a storm. So. Mm-hmm. Does that storm start? Th- so you get you get camp set up right in a yep. na- in a nasty storm.
0: Yeah, but the, well, the one big benefit of moving through that storm also is I got to see where all of our camps were. Oh. Once we kind of got up on on this area where I was going, uh, the one water source that I had in the summer, where I was getting all my water from, I knew just based kind of what I was seeing around there, like hey, there looks like there's some old activity in here, like probably some guys on horseback coming in, mm-hmm. some horse scat and that sort of stuff, and there was one, two, three think it was four horse camps so you're seeing people oh yeah so i'm getting up top all of a sudden i start seeing you know wall tents i start seeing some horses sitting there guys are just in their tent the whole time i'm like wow they're really close to the water source i hiked up a little further look down this one little area boom there's another couple horse camps on there it's so that like,
1: buggy when you see people out in the field it
0: does especially that deep too like everyone <laughs>
2: <laughs> kills him yeah it just destroy, <laughs> destroys me inside
0: just just devastates
2: keep going yeah
0: and so it's like everyone has the right to be out there but it's like you go into some of these beautiful places and you're so deep in you just expect you're gonna be the only one there but it's like gears lighter nowadays everyone else has horses you have llamas you have goats whatever it is you can get deeper in the mountains so like but that's what the benefit to my strategy then was like i was like well these guys are here at this water source they have to be at this water source for their horses mm-hmm. there's no other water just yeah like there really isn't i checked it all out maybe they know something they've been hunting there forever and they don't But, like, they're all camped around the water. So why am I going to also camp near them? Like, I I wouldn't want someone to camp near me, first of all. So it's like, they're already there first. I need to go further. So they want to keep going down this other area. Well, I'm going to be there first, be there earlier. And I'll be able to sleep in longer in the morning to then pursue further distances where they're up to wake up early, saddle their horses, feed their horses, water their horses, and then go and then come back all the time. They're going to be more tired. So the longer the hunt goes, the more benefit it is to me to be further away from them. Mm-hmm. And that's why that snowstorm was also very valuable because that was our only source of water for ourselves.
2: And then you mentioned you saw, on one of those horses, they're packing out a pretty good deer. Oh yeah, that bro- that you know, made me really crazy. I, I <laughs> <laughs> he was getting double whammy on this one. He saw people, and then yeah. he oh looked and he of oh, so, a big buck. So so
0: where they killed that deer is actually this little ridge where I been, I sat across from there multiple times in the summer and saw some really good deer like I think 170, 175 type bucks. They're still a long ways away because I want to book them up in the summer, but. They, I had seen them going on that ridge, coming out, and I didn't know at the time they had a buck. And all of a sudden, they came looping around through this trail system, and I saw a buck back and forth on swaying on there, and it was a good deer. Had big big front forks, big back Mm -hmm. forks, and I was like, okay, that's probably at least one of the deer that I saw in the summer. Right. And they somehow had effectively hunted it during a storm. I think they might have just been riding their horses and maybe you know jumped Mm -hmm. it in the snow and sure shot it like. A lot you of classic sure cov- hunters yep.
1: go. You can Th- cover a lot of ground on a horse.
0: Yep. And so they were doing the same thing I was doing. They were hunting during the storm as I was moving camp during the storm. So their method was really beneficial mm-hmm. just like I do. So
1: Yeah, got to hand it to them, mm-hmm. being, being up and out and moving and, yep. and still hunting instead of staying in camp.
0: So that was kind of hard to see right away, especially, you know, we just had get got to my good spot and I already see one buck being taken out. It's like, oh.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And this has all happened before you even really started hunting. Before we even really started hunting. <laughs> so I ran to
0: the guys from California who so said there's nothing up here. Yeah. And the cool thing is, too, I, I, I jumped over this, but those guys had said, like, oh, yeah, we saw a bunch of elk and they're all acting weird. And we started glassing around and they're hoping to see some wolves. Mm. And they're like, guess what we have in our backpack? And I was like, a wolf? And they're like, no, we got a kitty. What? And they shot a mountain lion. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, they, t- they use their, mo- their deer tag and take them To a tag mountain a, mountain line. a mountain lion. Yeah, and so they were just coming out and they're like, yeah, it's going to be a little weird, though, because we're from California and oh, yeah. we can't take a do? mountain lion back into the state. And I'm like, gosh, that state's yeah. so whacked.
1: Yeah, that oh, is yeah. weird. That does suck. So oh, like, good for them yeah
0: so they took a mountain lion out of there that's awesome and yeah then ran to those elk guys or i mean those guys who shot the deer and just not a great start to the hunt really Mm-mm. and just all that snow and just low visibility i'm like gosh we gotta do some hunting here pretty soon like i need to put glass on some animals
1: and oh, you're hunting well. on your own right yeah it's I mean, just solo it's just solo all by yourself all by a myself a camera guy.
0: yep just me and luke the whole time mm-hmm. Grinding out. You like hunting like that? I actually really enjoy solo. Cause I, I mean, you cut your teeth hunting solo mm-hmm. back in the day, and I did too. And it's like, until it really came to go hunt, I never really hunted with a lot of other people because mm-hmm. it's always just solo. All my thoughts are my own. All my de- decisions are my own. Strategies are my own. And it's just, yeah, it's, hunt- it's fun hunting with friends. But when you hunting solo, it's just a different mindset every single day. It's just like, today it could happen. Tomorrow it might happen. But everything I do is just because
1: it's up you know, to you. It's up to me. Yeah, whatever you want to go, direction you want to take your hunt, I mean, no. that's all
2: on you. Luke wasn't telling you what to do? No, Luke wasn't really telling me what I to do. I don't know, Brady. It's pretty cold out pretty today. Pretty
1: cold. My hands
2: are freezing. That's what I kind
0: of like, though, about Luke. Is, like he's, just, he's game to do whatever we want to do, and we made some savage, savage journeys on that trip. Because as the film says, you know, we just kept going more ridges, one more ridge further mm-hmm. just constantly in search of deer. Because there wasn't a lot of deer, which is also a little frustrating to you.
2: Yeah, so you you weren't seeing too much deer? No,
0: I weren't seeing a lot of deer at all. Did you know
2: that going in there, that this was going to be, like, the deer numbers maybe aren't too high?
0: Yeah, because I was scouting some other areas in the summer, some, like, mid to lower elevation stuff as I was getting into these areas, and I wasn't seeing any deer down low, wasn't seeing any deer in mid elevation, and I really only saw deer where it was kind of hunting, and then having that one hunter pack out a deer, it's like, well, that's one of my target bucks already gone. Like, I think there's only one more that I actually would really be interested in taking, and all the other bucks I saw were, like, fork and horns, three points, and just dinkers and not a lot of numbers at all i think scouting i only saw maybe five or six bucks
2: that doesn't deteriorate a little bit when you're scouting like not a lot of deer numbers
0: it hurts but also i just think the further i go the deeper i go especially on a hunt i will find deer especially with a snowstorm like that that's why like to me i try not to get down on that it's just like i try to dig into all my experiences all my knowledge and just be like i'm just gonna keep pushing every single day and eventually i'm gonna find some animals like Mm-hmm. I can't switch units. I have to be here. Sure. It's like the unit I have to be stuck in. So I'm going to find an animal yeah. and just hope all my cards are the reasons I'm here is because of all my previous knowledge and it's eventually going to pay off. But I just got to put that effort in.
1: As far as habitat goes, I mean, were they, I mean, that time of year, October, what were you mostly focused in? Upper elevation, mid? Yeah, upper, upper elevation,
0: it? like all that edge habitat between the timber and some of the burned areas. And then just that's where it seemed like it was in the summer the greenest and most vegetation for them and mm-hmm. that's where they're kind of hanging out and like they weren't in any of these open swaths of yeah you know hillsides but it was just kind of that transition but they're still up high i mean can't remember what the elevation was but they're at the top of the peaks like mm-hmm. even some of those basins we jumped over into later in the hunt that was just all snow everywhere and it's just like look picture perfect for like an old you know mature deer to be hanging out we were seeing does up there so it's mm-hmm. like if i'm seeing does still there's definitely going to be some bucks somewhere around sure. here it's not there's, like they all moved bait. out mm-hmm. yeah I gotten that feedback before, like like, Oh yeah, they're just hunting way too high, it's way too much snow. Like I'm like, mm. I've seen some deer push some snow with their bellies before mm-hmm. late in November especially and it's like they're not gonna get out of there. They know yeah. it's they know it's a random snowstorm that's gonna melt in two weeks and
2: it's kinda your, your MO. You're go like, high go high
0: just go high man <laughs> just go high <laughs> that's, if you start high man you can just go down from there but if you start low it just get stuck in all that low stuff yeah you're gonna see deer but are they the quality of deer you want to go after sure there might be a big giant deer down there sure there's probably gonna be more people and that's why i'd rather just go where no one wants to go go mm-hmm. to the nastiest units the hardest tags or the easier tags to get are nasty places and
1: how much snow are we talking
0: uh i think at some point there was like maybe a foot foot and a half oh, wow. in some areas yeah and some obviously up on top in the drifted areas was quite mm-hmm. a bit of snow but like we were postaling in a lot of areas just miserable and we reached a point too where there was no horse traffic hmm. beyond a certain area and so we basically had all these other back basins to ourselves for quite a few days And i never yeah. saw anyone go past this point for every reason
2: Yeah. See, when this spot you picked out you kind of figured you obviously wanted a ridge system so i you wanted could,
0: a ridge system so i can keep traveling and i wanted a ridge that had all sorts of different you know aspects i wanted some east facing slopes you know i wanted some you know north stuff too to kind of look into I just wanted a lot of different terrain a lot of smaller finger ridges to go off there so it gave me a lot of options even around camp even though you're like oh yeah you're hunting from camp like it's not gonna be any animals here but i'm so far in there's still good deer habitat mm-hmm. right by camp and so we had tons of options yeah
2: and I, once you're way up on top you, yeah, just, you can just keep going just walk the ridge systems which
0: makes it Some long days too, because you're having to travel around, you know, big canyons and stuff like that. And I try to avoid dropping down and coming up. But if we saw a deer, you know, down and up, I would go down and up, chase after it. Like I don't care how far I have to go to find a deer.
1: What uh, What's your day look like? What's your methodology? I mean, are you Are you getting up in the morning and then hiking all day and Hmm. just kind of (laughs) glassing? Not not on this
2: hunt. (laughs) There's a couple times where I guarantee people are like, I can't believe you slept in. Yeah. (laughs) I even even made fun
0: of myself some some mornings. So, like, most mornings I'd wake up, you know, well before sunrise, Mm -hmm. open the tent a little bit, and it was just white out. Okay. We got snow every single day in this hunt. And then I just went back to sleep right away. And then everyone knows – I mean, you guys have hunted with me. I can. Brady sleep. likes to sleep. I can sleep in the mountains very easily. I always say I get better sleep in the mountains than I do at home.
1: Brady is a world class sleeper. Yeah, out it, out in the hills.
0: So that did not help by seeing, and it probably was just a small storm. I probably should have just went out there, but I was like, man, it's snowing out. We're not going to be seeing anything. I'm just going to go back to bed for a little bit, and then I don't turn my alarm on. And <laughs> all of a sudden, it's like you know, eight thirty in the morning. Like, oh shoot, no sure. storm stopped, and should have went out there.
2: This is why Brady likes to hunt solo.
0: Second so yeah, sleep, probably his own schedule. His <laughs> <He laughs> own
2: schedule.
1: Yeah, nobody
0: pacing around. Um, Then I even had one morning, or I think we showed that one on film, that I totally forgot to set my alarm. Or it went off, and I... Shut it off really quick. Mm-hmm. Like I'm bad about hitting a snooze. Yeah, because I'm not a morning person. Right. Like I stay up till you know midnight, mm-hmm. two in the morning, a lot of times working. So like I need to switch that and become. I need to work out in the morning, <laughs> so I'm more better prepared once the hunting season Maybe comes. Maybe
1: as you get older, it will help. You know? know, you'll just. I want to be bed. one of those
0: old guys that goes to the diner at four in the morning right. and have coffee. <laughs> yes, with the
1: with the town. People. Yeah, goes to bed at eight o'clock and gets up at four. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Trail. Right. Yeah, I want right. to be an old guy like Trail. That's
2: exactly it. Yes, yeah, yeah. so you get up. In the mornings and you're basically just glassing all day long
0: yeah i love glassing absolutely love glassing like yeah there's a million different ways to kill bucks i've never been the person who can find a buck track and just go track it all day Mm -hmm. i want to eventually kill deer that way but to me i kill deer by optics by using big glass what
1: did you pack in there for optics
0: so scouting i brought my 115 and my btx so
1: that's a 115 millimeter objective for those of you that might not know it's a, a, a swarovski that is a Giant lens. That is the eye of God. It's this big. It's big. And <laughs> it's then, giant. and then the BTX, which is your your dual eyepiece. It's a set power 35. 35. Right? Yep. So 35 set power with 115 objective. Yep. Why the 115?
0: So the 115, to me, I was going back and forth on what to get, and I would say I've used 85s for a long time. I've used some 65s, and I thought about, yeah, maybe just getting the 95. Mm-hmm. But I was like, after talking to you know Cody Nelson, or optics guy, and just knowing. Him, him knowing my strategy is like once you start using your 95 you're gonna be glassing really far away in early morning or really far away late at night and eventually you're gonna loosen that light gathering sure. and you just gonna start glassing further and further especially with btx you're glassing crazy distances so eventually you're gonna probably wish you had that 115 mm-hmm. and once if i go with the 115 to start i can always downgrade to like an 85 or a 65 if i want to go lightweight mm-hmm. but that 95 i'm not going to go 95 and buy a 115 like I don't have endless cash. Like I'm not going to keep <laughs> wasting some of my money on two slimmer things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So buy the best and cry just once. I thought for me, with, my, with me being so focused on glassing and optics, I might as well just get the biggest one possible, best digiscope for filming obviously. And then just be able to pick apart deer a lot easier during these low light conditions or really far away things. So the BTX with 35 power, two eyes, it feels like it's a lot more magnification, than 35 power.
3: Mm.
0: So I'm able to comfortably, pick up animals at distances that you normally wouldn't be able to, or even close stuff in timber because your eyes are, you know, we always have two eyes looking at everything. So Mm -hmm. we're we're naturally focused on just picking up details with two eyes open where you squint the whole time. Eventually your head starts hurting or you're not going to glass as long or hard. So it's like to me, the two eyes thing just makes sense. And once you put your eyes behind a BTX, sit there for a while, you're like, holy shit, this is awesome.
2: Yeah, it is pretty comfy.
1: <laughs> do you take the BTX? I mean, is the type of terrain, do you do you have any kind of determination on what the terrain has to be like in order to you to justify taking a scope that that's that, that yeah, heavy? Because it is heavy.
0: That, that's why I ju- I, well, well, I'll say it right now. Like, I just took the BTX scouting, and on the actual hunt, I took the ATX. Okay. Because I just didn't want to pack some more extra weight, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to have to take both of them because – on a filmed hunt, I want to be able to actually zoom in and get better digiscope, and so that allows me to, you know, get 70 power on mm-hmm. the ATX, where the BTX is fixed okay. at 35.
1: You're taking an ATX 85? ATX,
0: no, with the 115.
1: Oh, okay. So I, took, I still, still took the still 115. Still took the
0: 115. Yep, and then I just took the ATX. Because okay. I've already scouted it. Like, I don't have the glass stupid far anymore because mm-hmm. I kind of know the basin, kind of where some deer are at. But when I got up there, I did, you know, kind of regret not bringing the BTX still. Hmm. Like, I just love it. I paid for it, I probably should use it. Mm-hmm. Type of thing, you know? <laughs> justify it. Justify to it, use. yeah. Yeah. And so like yeah, you, some of these canyons, you know, the BTX is a little overkill, which mm-hmm. that's why I also have the twelve power binos. I love the glass off a tripod with the binos, but with that BTX, man, you can just pick up every little detail.
1: What's your strategy for glassing? Like, as far as do you start out with your 12s on a tripod and you're making a quick scan, and then going to the BTX to really like pick apart once you've kind of cleared the whole area? Is yeah, that
0: what I like to I like to say probably I am, you know, in the mornings it's all 12s on a tripod, just glassing all the little details, all the stuff that's kind of close to me until you know maybe like an hour or two into the morning. I'm obviously gridding everything. I love the grid system, going up and down, left and right, and trying to like picture. You know, like to me, I'm a camera guy, I like the rule of thirds, like big grids. And I like mm-hmm. to make big grids with the binos, and that way I start to memorize certain features of the terrain. And all of a sudden, I see something slightly off place. I know it's probably a deer entered it, or I can kind of pick it up because I've already glassed everything. Mm-hmm. And then once you know the sun starts rising up and shadows start changing, then I start picking up my spawning scope. And that's where I start doing what I call like my detailed work. Like I'm really diving in with a lot of power and checking out shadows, checking out, finding out bedded deer, finding you know the flick of a tail, a little antler time, like a little glare off something. And then I take my grids that are a little bit bigger and I start narrowing those grids down and I just go really fine detail moving around trying to pick things up bedded. But it's also a really good thing too. Like you don't want to sit in one spot and glass all the time. I mean, that's what a lot of people do wrong. Like where you're sitting and glassing, if you do that for 30 minutes and all of a sudden you move like 80 yards further and glassing mm-hmm. just a different angle mm-hmm. sometimes you can pick up things a little bit better. I mean, a lot of the times it's depending on terrain, but even if you just go down a straight line, you're glassing something a little bit differently.
2: All right, especially yep. solo too because like usually if you're going to another person there yeah Yeah. you got a lot more 10 to 20 yards Mm -hmm. to your right or left or up or down so Mm -hmm.
1: i remember i went on a hunt one time it was a late arizona archery hunt with a buddy and he climbed up and sat down on this peak glassed i'd move further up the ridge i'd spent probably two and a half three hours glassing hadn't picked anything up i walked down i sat maybe six feet from him and i looked over at him and i was like what's wrong with that buck and he's like what buck and i'm like that that buck that's like 300 yards right there yeah he was he was sitting almost directly behind this small juniper ground Uh juniper it was directly in line with him that buck was bedded i mean directly in line with him at 300 yards and had been for you know half hour and and i was 10 feet from him so just Hmm. just a different line of sight i'll I'll ask you a question
0: when you're glassing a big mountain do you go close first or further away first Because the further away thought Mm -hmm. is always like, oh, you want to catch an animal before it goes up on a ridge, possibly. Mm -hmm. But then, like, we always run into, like, our camera guys always spot animals before us because they're always looking super close to their naked eye, and we're always looking kind of further away. So, like, what's that balance like for you?
1: Yeah, I would say I I like tens, so mm-hmm. I start out with tens, and I think my first step is to just do a quick scan. You're it, trying to find
0: something you maybe could, if you are mm-hmm. rifle hunting, see right away and maybe yep. take? Or?
1: I'll, I'll check that country that's like immediately in front of me, so if I'm sitting on a ridge and I've got a canyon and maybe the opposite side's five or 600 yards, I'm going to pick that apart pretty quick with my tens, and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to grid it out mm-hmm. real quick and then i'll probably spend you know an hour or so or you know however long just depends on on how long i plan to be there but i'll pick out farther distances with my tens, just looking for anything moving Mm -hmm. and then you know like you once things have kind of settled in i'm like satisfied that i haven't missed anything that's moving um i'll get a spotting scope and i'll you know put that to work and i'll start actually like looking at individual trees and i'm like oh do i see a deer behind it Mm -hmm. or anything like that and i'm picking apart it's it's laborious man it's like oh you know sometimes you're like oh i looked at i've looked at everything here you know but that's that's how i do it
0: yeah Yeah. and another benefit too of the snow we'll go back to that it's like do you ever do the thing where you're glassing for tracks in the snow yep for sure high mountain basins you see a fresh Mm -hmm. track going across you can kind of determine if it's a deer or elk based on kind of the size of it
1: and how many animals there are yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so like i'm glassing tracks a lot too just trying to find the tracks and go reverse like Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's a major benefit at. for the for that snow hunting. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you turn onto a track and you're like, huh, it's on the backside of a snow. You know, there's something moving. Yeah.
2: A lot of the times when I'm when I get tired is when I just like to look at the close up with my eyes. Like sometimes oh. just looking at it with your eyes instead of looking through binoculars. Your forehead's asleep on your scope and you're just like, I'm like, oh, all right, oh. I can't look through my binoculars anymore. I'm a little <laughs> bit tired. Yep. <laughs> just like looking, it's crazy how you can actually pick up shit just by looking without like straining your eyes sometimes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Just taking a little break from the binos.
1: So you're not seeing deer? Are you seeing deer? Not even seeing a lot of deer, Not man. seeing
2: any any real deer. Not mm, many, huh? I, think, I
1: think early in the hunt saw a few does here and there. How and many th- days in are you before you're like... I mean, how many days are Are you three days in? Two days? Three days before you kind of get to an area that you want to be in?
0: Yeah, I think it was like our third day. We're finally starting to click and starting to see some deer. Okay. But like I think that one funny part was I was like just... I was down and out for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like then when I was, when I was like trying to make the title of the film. Like I was like, "This is just a survival film." There's, this is, we're <laughs> gonna get to the hunting part later. This is, we're just showing. <laughs> there you. is
2: no deer here. <laughs> yeah. no, no deer here.
0: Yeah, like that's the point where you just like, you know, obviously I'm just you know kind of poking fun at myself, but it's like that's when you just gotta kind of dig deep and just be like, you know, there's deer somewhere. You're crossing up all your areas or not to try to find the areas that they are. And did you just, consider
1: moving, like, bailing and going to somewhere else completely? I didn't want to do
0: that at all. Okay. I just hate the, I hate the thought of packing up camp, going back to my truck, and driving somewhere totally new. Because I already put all my eggs and sense in a, in one basket in this little area. Mm-hmm. And I saw some deer there. I was like, how many deer did I miss in the summer? Because I was there in the summer, it was hot. Like, yeah. probably wasn't a lot of deer moving. There's probably a lot more deer there that I didn't see. And I was like, well, eventually, like, maybe we'll just pack up camp and go crazy further distance. Like, just go stupid deep
1: in your experience so you you scout it in the summer which i assume is probably like july august time frame mm-hmm. right and you you're seeing deer you're seeing some bucks that you're interested in taking what's the time frame before you think those deer are like you know clearing country like mm. is it are you into like the middle of october the end of october like kind of what's the the time frame for you where you're like if i scout this in july and there's bucks i'm gonna hunt it through what
0: I think to me, I factor that into what are the mountain ranges looking like around there and what does like winter habitat, how far away is possibly Mm -hmm. that winter transition breeding zone country. So area area I am in, you know, based on everything I've done research wise, like I'm going to find deer in there through easily end of October, first Mm -hmm. part of November, if the season went that far. But like a state, like, you know, maybe Colorado or Wyoming, you start getting those later stuff. I think those deer are going to start bouncing because it's just too nasty up high and they might yeah. run out of too much snow not enough habitat and then they have to start you know dropping down a little bit lower in some of the transitional zones but just like i think it's all mountain depending and it's just based on previous experience i think too it's like hard thing just to judge like oh yeah there's snow like you're gonna be gone the mm-hmm. other think it's october like those snow storms are gonna melt there's gonna be mm-hmm. tons of vegetation underneath that mm-hmm.
2: was it yeah. snowing every single day yeah
0: everything every single day except for the day i killed and the day i, I packed out woof
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i hate the snow i mean it, I, I i don't like hunting in it i mean i i just i'm not great i'm not a great rifle deer hunter i've yeah. decided like i've I've done okay over the years my my bigger bucks have all been early season muzzleloader bucks i've been lately beating my head against the wall going why do i keep going you know second and third rifle seasons when in reality i'm just more effective early you know mm-hmm. so i i hate the snow man i hate and, it and
0: the problem was up there it was so cold that all the snow that was falling down was straight powder oh yeah and you know from experience on our all colorado right. hunt that one year like melting powder snow and trying to convert that into water like you take a whole giant you know jet boil or msr thing and try to melt powder snow down you're getting water content like an inch thick
1: you're going through tons of fuel <laughs> there's
0: tons of fuel that's why we, that's why i utilize the you know the seek outside stove and mm-hmm. you put all that snow on there set that on there for a while while you're doing some other stuff at camp cutting wood and let that melt down and then you'll, you know, boil that really quickly and dump that in some other snow to, like, shake that up really quick to start building that water content without having to, you know, burn up your jet boil f-
2: fuel. Mm-hmm. You were drinking snow the whole time.
0: Snow water, yeah. Which is basically... Uh, How
2: many fuel canisters did you bring?
0: I only brought one small one the whole well, time. You were using hundred. the 100. 100. Yeah, using melt, the Melt it on, yeah. the
1: sto- on the stove. Yeah.
0: But, like, all your water is tasting you know like pine needles it literally doesn't taste clean water and that's when you pine tea And that's what you guys know from working with me like i don't drink a lot of water to that's begin right. you,
2: with you your prayer you're yeah. getting ready every day
0: yeah so my thought process is he's just
2: dehydrated I, right now desert rat yeah
0: so i'll explain it again right now for people who don't know but like i swear if you live at a constant state of dehydration which i drink coffee all day long and at the end of the day i'm like wow i didn't drink a single fucking liquid water <laughs> Like, my body's constantly (laughs) being used to to dehydration. So, when I go up in the mountains, dehydration's just normal for me. So, I don't need a lot of water on a hunt to survive. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: I don't know. I mean... You're training your body. I mean... training my body. It might be some science. When
0: I I played
1: basketball in high school, our coach would never let us take water breaks. Makes you stronger, tougher. Yeah, that's what he always said. I don't know. I mean, I... I don't drink a lot of water either, but I know on a hunt, like, and I guess it depends on the hunt. Like if you're camping, you're hiking a half mile and you're glassing eight hours that day, probably don't need a ton of water, you know. Mm. But if you're hiking and you're, especially if you're hiking through a foot of snow, you're gonna burn through some sweat. You're gonna need to replace that water, mm-hmm. you know. And that's when I always
0: look like am in those situations. I'm like, damn it! When I get back home, I'm gonna drink so much freaking water. I'm gonna turn <laughs> that faucet on and get that water so easily. But then I come back and I never do.
2: <laughs> Did you have supplements though with you?
0: Yeah, I had a bunch of mountain ops yeah. stuff, and Luke had a bunch of mountain ops. And yeah, we we're kind of
2: ca- kind of making the most of the making the most water of the water you had.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to hear about your gear. So, like, you're camping in really how cold? uh i think it's single digits teens? teens, no teens teens, yeah, teens maybe maybe cold. some singles yeah that's cold so as far as equipment goes i mean what are you using is like clothing system what are you camping in sleeping bag sleeping pad
0: yep so i just had uh a thermo thermo new air uber light which is not the most you know insulating. Yeah, insulated and <laughs> and i try to save a little bit of weight uber uber like, <laughs> <bud>. <laughs> yeah i try to save a little weight because uh, i get a regular instead of the long one because it's just it's lighter. Lighter. Sure. And so my feet hang off, and I can always throw something down there. But I have a Stone Glacier Chilcoot 15-degree bag, mm-hmm. and then I have the stove. So the stove, I'm able to, you know, stay warm. And, again, my thought process is always, well, I carry all this down clothes up there. If I get cold and my 15-degree is not enough, I'll throw some clothes on. Mm-hmm. I don't ever think you need to have a zero-degree bag in any of these on, especially with the stove. You're what do you mean totally for a tent? Uh, Secret Side Cimarron. Okay. And I think that's a perfect tent for – me and a buddy and a stove Mm -hmm. like perfect size and your gear and all your gear gear gear. inside yep i don't put any gear outside getting everything inside yep and so we have that every single day and obviously i have to have a little packable saw it's one of those little little, little silky Mm -hmm. silky saws pack one of those around pretty much all day pyro putty is going to be your game changer or vaseline soaked cotton balls like you're going to want to carry fire starter with you all times like there was so many times on this hunt we didn't really showcase a lot in the films i was just making random fires throughout the whole entire day to stay warm starting a fire just a a a glass um, just a glass right next to check in with get get warmed up
2: get warmed up what's your uh what's your take on fires and spooking game
0: i don't think it's a thing at all animals are so used to forest fires you know wildfire type stuff like smoke is natural to them and i think too it just like it kind of masks your scent like there could be a random fire, whatever, and they're just used to it like i don't obviously I think the the main part of that fire is getting an issue because you start a fire, you start talking louder you like you feel like you're mm. like you yeah, know, back had at camp, camp, camp fire, somewhere you right. like, have a had good
1: bullshit sessions around a fire, maybe. yeah, so
0: you start talking louder, you start banging sticks really loud, and that's where I think you might get in trouble, but as long as you have a small fire and you're very cautious about breaking your branches and just not yeah. yelling while you're camping i've had I've kind of had
2: the same experiences with fire i mean in Wyoming. And that elk hunt out west, we had fires a ton right yeah, at our at, camp, and yeah. we had elk all over us. Yeah. We had an elk coming by our camp, bugling by our camp, and that we had fire. That was even early, too. Yeah. That was September,
1: yeah. middle of September. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. but And also, like, in terms of clothing, you know, like, you're going to want to have a shit ton of layers. Like, I had, you know, thick, full-on puffy pants, puffy jacket, you know, down mittens, the shell on the outside for, you know, water and stuff like that so I don't get my down all wet and just, like, layering up constantly and then being able to take off all those layers when you're hiking because you start sweating in those environments mm-hmm. and you sit down and try to glass you're going to be frozen oh, and you're just going to be frozen worst. to the core and then you're, going, then you're not going to glass effectively too so the yeah. more you can be comfortable while you're glassing the more efficient you are as a glasser and that's why sometimes having that fire right next to you while you're glassing is going to be a benefit I can warm my hands up really quickly And if I'm taking my hands out to digiscope or run my phone or whatever, they're going to get cold and I want to be able to warm them up right away.
1: So you're you're taking down mittens then? Down mittens the whole time, yep. Mm -hmm.
0: Every single day you're packing it, which sucks carrying all that stuff. But again, it's not a a true late season hunt, but it's also a safety thing. Like the further we get out there, eventually maybe I kill a deer that night and, you know, Luke's going to be standing there. He's a camera guy. He's not going to be cutting up meat. He's not going to be warm the whole time he's needs to have some down clothes as well so we can stand there while we cut up meat or maybe we get in a weird situation and we have to camp underneath the tree with a fire like i'm all for that if that means killing a deer the next morning like i'll stay out there all night to kill an animal mm-hmm.
2: so you're taking a lot of precautions not to sweat
0: a lot of precautions not to sweat yeah
2: So like you taking rest walking around taking
0: rest walking around not trying to wear my puffy pants while i'm hiking even though i've freaking really want to. Like you're you're de layering every single time when you're moving around. Yeah. That's
1: so annoying with a yeah. late season hunt. You're constantly on and off, taking the pack off, layering down, layering back up when you you sit down. Yeah. Yep. yeah.
2: I feel like a lot of people just like all right, I'm just gonna hike my ass off, get over here as quick as I can. Mm-hmm. Oh man. And they're sweating their ass off and then they sit down, there's a little bit of a breeze. And that's why you see too cold.
0: like I'm constantly every time I go to sit, like I'm digging out the snow underneath the ground, trying to get down to the dirt putting glassing pad down trying to keep myself a little bit insulated from that cold because i don't want to also get my down close wet because then it's not gonna you know
1: here's a question for you this is something i do i don't know i took i kind of turned neville i don't know if he's adopted this or not but like when i hike into an area and i know i'm going to be sweating and i'm going to sweat through a base layer i'll typically take i take another base layer with me Mm -hmm. and i'll hike in. Wherever I get, you know, I've sweat through that base layer. I'll peel everything off. I'll take that wet base layer off, and I'll put a dry one on. And I instantly, you know, I feel warmer. And then throughout the day, maybe it's that night when I get back to my tent and I have a stove, I'll try to dry that base layer out, you know, so I've got another one to rotate. Yeah. Do, you, do you like that method, or do you just leave your wet layer on and layer up above it and let your body heat dry it? I'll have to let my body heat
0: dry it. Yeah. Or I've done before where, like, so I'll have my core lightweight hoodie, mm-hmm. and that'll be the layer that gets soaked. I'll then swap it over to my core heavyweight and just go skins. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes I'll keep that one inside my jacket somewhere. Yep. Just kind of like dry that off. And then I'll switch back again to try not to get my core heavyweight wet when I'm hiking around again.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I get really cold if I get wet. And then doesn't even doesn't seem to matter even if I layer up over that. And especially, it's not so bad if it's just cold. But if you get some wind, mm-hmm. oh, man, that wet layer on your skin with some wind. Just,
3: oh.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, what is the – it's like a – there's a bunch of studies on, like, their rewarming.
0: Rewarming stuff, yeah.
2: And I I think you are supposed to keep it on trail. Way to go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What what (laughs) will Barkwell
0: say right now to you? Yeah.
2: Probably tell me
1: to wear it it dry.
2: But But it's got to depend, too, on probably the fabric that you have as your base layer. Because obviously some are going to dry faster than others.
0: Yeah, some of the synthetics versus merino, or
1: yeah, and I'm a synthetic guy. Late, mm-hmm, you know, because yeah, it dries so much quicker. Wool just stays wet for me. It's only dog. Yeah, doesn't doesn't seem to dry out nearly as quick as I need it to. Yeah. But yeah, I just get so cold. I get cold. I'm a cold. I'm cold all the time. You yeah. Know? yeah, look
0: at me. I have long, skinny extremities. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely mean, get cold. I'm
1: in my hands. office in my basement every day with a down puffy on. You know, I just get cold. <laughs> so I like to peel that wet layer off. But. Weenie. <laughs> Weenie. Weenie.
2: Yeah. What day did you shoot this deer, Brady? What day are we on now? You no. weren't seeing shit for how many days were you out there?
0: I think I, I killed my deer on the fifth or sixth day. Of the
2: and how many days were you planning?
0: I was planning on a full like eight or nine. And I told Luke ahead of time too. Like we started putting our gear together, and like we can't pack nine or ten days worth of food in here. We're going to go up If we see a bunch of deer. It's going to suck. We can come back out. Maybe I'll just come back out, get more food. We'll go back in. But partway through, I was like, we're not seeing shit. We might have to start uh, rationing things a little bit. And that's what I normally do on a lot of these like, solo crazy hunts. Like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people heard of like my, my 2020 deer. I think I killed on day seven or day eight. And I had been rationing since day four.
1: You're packing a stove like to cook Cook meal with yeah i wasn't you? doing stove with, yeah okay. at stove yep Eaten, eating dinner at
0: Eaten night, night mm-hmm. yeah but all my food again you know i take all the peak refuel mountain house mm-hmm. I take them all out of that packaging re-vacuum seal it all sure. so i'm trying to condense all that stuff you're not saving a lot of weight by doing that but all i'm doing is saving bulk space and then i'm able to add maybe a little bit more food just because of mm-hmm. the bulk factor in my backpack even though i do carry you know 7900 stone glacier but I'm trying to save in that bulk
1: did you see any other bucks
0: uh, the Buckeye Kill was actually the first mature deer I saw the entire week, which was a really big bummer.
1: So you saw some yearlings then? Saw a lot of yearlings. Some, some two points. And
0: yeah. And then eventually we started running into a shit ton of elk. I never really like seeing elk on a deer hunt. <laughs> Just drives me crazy. <laughs> and uh, the cool part too is, unfortunately we didn't have a lot of good audio of it, but I did run into a wolf pack that I was kind of hunting for several days when I was up there. Mm. Um, we kept we heard them once howling in the dark coming out and i was like holy crap we got a bunch of wolves and the next day i was like really jack like they have to be somewhere close to us for hearing them howl they have to be in the space and the problem with the wolves though every time i hunted states with wolves i've never been able to glass them up i can hear them howling mm-hmm. the next day they would howl in the morning they would howl in the middle of the day we're trying to move closer and closer to them and uh the wolves are honestly one of the reasons why i killed the deer i killed because we kept moving down this ridge system we're like finally we're at the end of it we're like we haven't hunted near camp that much let's start going down some of the other smaller finger ridges near camp and that's where the wolves were as well so like during that day i kept hearing these wolves and we kept moving down this ridge further i did see some deer but saw a group of does and stuff like that and then we're just sitting there all of a sudden i was like man these wolves sound like they got further away all of a sudden i, like, I could barely hear them i think they finally went up and over and i've been peeling my or just destroying my eyes trying to like glass them find up. find wolf and i even had a i even always bring a coyote or too and try to like mm-hmm. locate them see if they'll like come in or whatever but never could glass them up but that ended up because we kept going down further and further down this ridge to the spot where i eventually killed my deer because i was like well we're already here this next little ridge is i have to lose another 400 feet which is going to suck because we had to come all the way back up it's like there's a little pocket over here that we haven't checked the whole entire time that was totally hidden none of these horse guys could see it from their direction the only way you could see it if you drop down this elevation and get in a small little finger ridge. And so we just basically hiked down right to it. I sat down, pulled my binos up, and uh, it's one of those things where instantly, like, first 30 seconds, boom, you got a deer.
1: Mm-hmm. You glassed off a tripod at that point, or you just I think, pull I think your binos I, up? I think I had
0: my tripod down at first and already had it on there, but it was, like, literally, like, you set your binos up on the on adapter, and, like, whatever you look through first, like, boom, there's a deer. How far? Shooting distance, right away. It was five 580 590 okay which so is which is well within my range i know people give me shit about it but i, I can shoot that all day long that's that's a hundred yard shot to me that's sure. super close
2: and this spot was right by camp and you haven't been there
0: yet yeah it's still probably two miles from camp maybe but a drop, low elevation, like a little bit lower elevation down the ridge but it's an area we never touched yet the whole entire time because we kept going further and further and further one more ridge over I and mean, this is one more ridge away from camp that we never
2: checked out Was this like in the morning you were going to that spot or you got up in the morning? Got up in
0: the the morning, started like working down these areas, saw those does and then started hearing all those wolves howling. And so we kept trying to drop elevation because that's where the wolves were as all the elk were as well. And so like, man, it sounds like they're down this bottom. Like maybe they had a kill down there. And that's why I kept dropping lower on this finger ridge. But then I was looking at the map. I was like, well, there's a little hidden pocket here that kind of looks like it's protected. Kind of looks like it probably has a bunch of good habitat on it. And again it was the same sort of slope or same sort of mountain face that I killed all my bucks on. I'm Not gonna say exactly what type of face that is right now, but <laughs> so it's the same one I always see deer on. You were
2: essentially hunting wolves, following the wolves, and then yeah. you ran into this pocket, you thought, All right, I'm gonna go outside. Yeah, it. we
0: have to we have to even though it was like the lower elevation, like we're gonna go down there, and check out that little pocket because we're here and we gotta check it out. So is this buck down in a canyon? He was down in the canyon, yep. And he was just right there. I pulled on by and I was, boom, there he is. And I'm like, holy crap. And I pulled up my range right away. I was like, shit, we can, I can take this deer right now. Like it's one of those spots where you're on your glassing job killing a deer, which doesn't happen very often. They had no stock at all involved. Just at the right point at the right time. He was up on his feet. He was on his feet at like three something in the afternoon, hmm. just feeding. And it was one of those things too. Like after I figured out I could actually shoot him, all I had to do was move five feet over slowly started taking off the gun sleeve off my off my rifle set it all down got the bipod getting ready to kill it and obviously it's that point too where you're communicating with the camera guy are you on him am i on him i thought you know i could take a shot but he's like no i'm not on it right now and of course then the deer goes behind a tree mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where i'm sitting there for i don't know what it was it might have been only like five minutes but it felt like it was like a half hour this deer just right behind a tree i can see part of his vitals but it's like a, this big branch coming out like i have no shot forever and I'm like, if he keeps coming further and further towards us, eventually I'm going to lose him in this little cut. Mm. And so he's on this little bench, but if he keeps coming towards me, I'll lose him just the way the topography lies. And so that was really stressful. <laughs> and I'm just laying there, like, he's one of those things when your neck starts hurting. And you know, I'm just, like, fully calm, just, like, sitting in the gun, you know, looking at him, zooming in, zooming out, rearranging it to make sure I'm fully mm-hmm. dialed, ranging spots around there in case things go haywire. But, like, everything points to I'll kill his deer as long as he moves away from that, that – Sure. Stump.
1: Are you uh what's your shot? I mean, we talk a lot about shot process with the bow, but what's your shot process with the rifle? I mean, do you do you leave your scope on 20 is it 25 power? Yeah, I max it so all way max out. So you max that thing out. Yeah. Um are you I mean, do you know your weapon I know you know your weapon very well. You're making the clicks.
0: Yep. So in this situation since I knew where the deer was and I knew Roughly what the wind is, just based on knowledge out there. I didn't actually pull out my kestrel this time. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually measure the wind, but I knew at this distance I'd have a little bit of spin drift going on because my barrel's right twist, so i had to corrected a left a little bit. So I actually dialed um, my windage on my scope so I could still hold center because I always mm. feel like, to me, it's kind of like with any sort of natural point of aim, like where my crosshairs are on my rifle scope, if I know I have to hold left or right on there, eventually I might forget that in my head because my. my My mind and everything wants to hold direct center on the crosshair. Your default
1: is to put that on the shoulder. On
0: the shoulder. So Mm -hmm. it feels uncomfortable to move that crosshair left or right to hold. Even though I have those minutes of angle left or right, sometimes I like to dial and hold dead center Mm -hmm. because, to me, it just makes me more zoned in. But then you have to realize that what's going on too in case you – miss that first shot or something like that to have to recorrect and know that you're already dialed over so I you
1: had, have to have time behind your weapon yeah i mean you, you got to know
0: and it's just the way i yeah. do it like there's yeah. obviously other ways to do it and you could just hold over or hold to left or right but it's like i dialed dialed my windage dialed my elevation and i'm mm-hmm. just on the gun mm-hmm. just ready to go ready for this one moment <laughs> and
2: then he stepped out
0: then he stepped out and Bam. let them have it i always aim <laughs> i always aim high shoulder and everything i will put it in the shoulder i know my weapon i know it's my bullet i know it's capable of breaking shoulder on a deer it's
1: a 300
0: 300 that was a 300 wind mag i'm mm-hmm. shooting 215 grain burger target hybrids so target bullets but they are devastating on animals mm-hmm. fully under, fully know that fully tested it my whole family's been using them they work great so i know my weapon know everything this deer is literally just waiting for (laughs) waiting his time right now Dead man walking
1: dead buck walking
0: it's 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 crazy to say but it's like i feel so like in the zone when i'm behind a rifle scope like if i just dial my scope and i'm laying down i know that animal's dead Mm -hmm. like i shoot so much that i'm so comfortable when i get behind a rifle that i'm like okay this is just i just need to do my thing just all my postures right my mm -hmm. body position's in the right spot like my breathing is totally controlled like yeah, I'm kind of antsy at first when I see an animal like everyone is. Your heart starts racing a little bit, so I'm trying to control that. I'm trying to just, like, deep deep breaths, trying to control my breathing, trying to control my excitement, and just realize everything I've done this whole entire week comes down to this one moment. Like, this is it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any other deer. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only mature buck we've seen the whole time. <laughs> this is
2: all we got. It <laughs> has
1: to happen.
0: And it's a, you know, 580 or 590-yard shot. It's a good poke. Yeah. That's so everything fun. has to be perfect. Yeah. Everything just has to be dialed That the perfect rest. I had the, you know, rugged red rear support in the back of the rifle. That rifle, I always, like, dig the bipod in there. Like, my gun is set. I can just basically, like, pull the trigger and not be behind it. I could probably mm-hmm. still kill that animal because, it's, like, I try to set my weapon up perfectly, level
1: everything down, mm-hmm. and just wait it out. Pure elation when he goes down? Oh, man. Re- just relief? Just, I'm an, I, I
0: am an emotional wreck after I kill an animal. <laughs> I always am. And it's never going to go away. And people are like, oh, yeah, like... Like, what's the big deal about that? But it's, like, all that effort just, poof, it's, like, floods. you just win an NBA championship, you know? Mm-hmm. You just, like, can't help yourself. But, like, just everything just goes crazy. You don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're thinking. Like,
2: you said you almost cried in this one. Yeah, I almost and cried. And he's, like, I almost cried right here.
0: Because, yeah. <laughs> like, I just love <laughs> being in that position. And, like I said, the adventure and the struggle is almost more to it than the size of an animal a lot of times. Right. Yeah. But all this comes at you, and it's, like... I always just think back all the time of like, my dad hunting. Like, that's the first person I want to tell when I kill an animal. It's, like, I always wish he was there with me because I've learned everything from him. So it's, just like, an emotional rush of, like, hunting with my family, you know, talking to my brothers, like, bring my animal back to my mom. It's, like, everything all in that sense is just, like, like what just happened?
1: Yeah, it's a year's worth of anticipation.
0: Yeah, I'd, you know, I picked the tag up, did a lot of scouting, everything. I have a camera guy here. Like, a lot of it's riding on, you know, having a good hunt, and this is the one opportunity, and... Boom, capitalize on well, that,
1: it. Well, just personally, it means so much to you. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the thing that you are into. Yep, I know?
0: don't do anything else in my life. I yeah, quit yeah. all the other hobbies. Like, all <laughs> I do is chase mule deer. Like, it's all I ever want to do. It's all I think about. the thing
1: that you value mm-hmm. the, the highest. That's cool. Mule, and so, yeah. Mule deer I, Jesus. Mule deer <laughs> <Jesus.
0: laughs> Yeah, like Cody Boar likes to call me mule deer Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the hair, the beard. He says he's going to make a shirt about that it's someday. It's a vibe.
1: Yeah. yeah. And we're flip-flops,
0: long hair. How
2: was it getting over to recover it? Oh buddy. <laughs> you had to go down a big that hill canyon. was
0: so freaking steep when I got down in there. And I was like after you got down down in there to start looking around and that's where like right away I'm starting to collect data. Mm. So I marked instantly where I took that shot from on my on go hunt maps. I marked a little shot icon and then once I get down there I mark instantly where that kill location is. That's that data for later. But as I'm going down in there I'm like I can see why there was a deer here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the snow started melting in the area which he was obviously probably there the whole entire time, but there was a lot of feed there. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of good, a lot of good browse, a lot of cover, um, everything. Everything he needed was right there. He had probably been there the whole entire week, out of the wind, out of the wind, out of everything, kind of hidden pocket. So like even I was hunting areas, you know, that I thought would be deer, above but, him. Yep, mm-hmm. above him the whole time. But this was just his little zone, his little pocket of he had everything he needed to live right there.
1: Right. Yeah. And
0: like the place he piled up in, like literally we had to take a big log and put it next to him. So he wouldn't continue to roll down the mountain. Mm-hmm. Like I'm cutting him up. It was that steep where like, if you let go, he would just go, he'd be gone. Yeah.
1: He just, and he's a cool buck. He is. Yeah, he's goofy. Crazy looking, like crazy when I first looking saw buck.
0: When I first saw him, I was like, dude, he's got like a big dropper off his front beam or like the swoop down beams. And like, you know, he's has that little captain hook thing going up and just old and, yeah. and his teeth are way worn down, big Roman nose on him scars on his face. And not a scory deer by any means, but just a cool, cool mountain buck.
1: Yeah. His beam kind of comes out and flattens. Yeah, t-
0: flattens, t- t- has t- a weird weird mass end. on the end, a yeah. bunch of acorns on top. Yeah, like. good
1: good mass. Mm-hmm. Teeth, teeth, he's old. Yeah, he's really old. Old, deer, old buck. You know,
0: which is what I, you know, I vision sure. you for. know, shooting a big giant deer. But it's like, I'll take an old mature deer in that terrain and mm-hmm. all day long. And just like, so I killed them, I think, at 4 o'clock. And, I, of course, we took a lot of photos, cutting up all the meat. You know, I deboned everything right there. So that took a while. Cut the cut the cape for a mount, you know, cut all the way back to the top of his head, didn't skull cap him at <laughs> the time yet. <laughs> I know you're a big skull. Did cap you skull
1: cap him, him later? I mean,
0: yeah, skull him him Hell later. Yes. yeah. Mm. Yeah, just for you trail. Skull <laughs> cap him. I thought I always thought of trail him. every time I skull cap an animal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which yeah. is what's the benefit of having a saw with you for yeah, cutting Because yes. I not want to get rid of all that weight. But Yeah. Uh yeah, so that pack out though. I think right away I got all that meat loaded up and I looked at Luke and I was like, holy fuck, this is going <laughs> to suck. I was like, Luke, can you take my spotter? Because
1: you got to go back up to camp. You have to go back
0: up to camp. You're and there for just, the night. Yeah, it's just straight going up. Going out's
1: no option. Cause it's going to suck. Okay. Yeah.
0: So we have to go back to camp. And I only made it maybe like, I don't know, 10, 15 yards up the mountain. I had to take a break instantly. Like mm-hmm. this thing just
2: sucks. Just straight up. Because
0: like, you know, I have all the like, late-season gear on, so I have right. all my down pants, yeah. all my down jackets, everything in the pack. And like I said, I had a 115 with an ATX scope. Mm-hmm. Like That's a lot of weight, and that's why I gave that thing to Luke. It's like, Luke, can you uh, carry Take some of my stuff for me mm-hmm. to make it a little easier? And so I was just taking break after break. And this is one of the things, too, where I've kind of learned and kind of taken some advice from my dad. Like, I don't want to blow up my body. Mm-hmm. So even though I know I probably physically could just keep going, I'm gonna take more breaks than I need to because I wanna to continue to hunt. I don't wanna go up so hard and so heavy and so fast that I end up doing something stupid where I'm fatigued and I slip and twist an ankle, twist a knee. Blow an knee out. Because yeah. I wanna hunt the rest of my life.
1: Right. Man, it only takes once. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So so all those times i have loaded up really heavy, I just think like, okay, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here safely. I need to do this smart and we're just gonna take a million breaks. I have nothing to do. There's no rush to get right. to camp right now. Why would I wanna bust my balls to get all the way up there just to go to bed. Like we're, I'm, so, I'm also soaking in the moment. Like every time I sit down, you know, I lean back and I like, look to the side, see that rack. It's like, this is why I'm here right now mm-hmm. for this one moment. There's no one I have to talk to. No one I have to do anything with. It's I just soak up this moment and get back to camp eventually. Yeah. So we took a million breaks going up. Got back to camp. I think it was 1230 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the whole entire time we were hiking up, we were like, dude, I just can't wait to have some back straps over fire yeah. in the morning. Like that's all I wanted to do was just eat the entire deer. <laughs> like, just eat the whole just fucking Just gorge
1: yourself the next day. There is something
0: mm. to be said. Like, I'll, I'll say it. Like, <sighs> I've had some good steak in my life. Yeah. Like, good restaurant steak. You know, I made some good steaks at home. The, the steaks you have on the mountain, nothing will compare to that. I had no seasoning. I just, you know, blackened it a little bit on the fire, medium rare on a stick that you cut. Butterfly it folded over burn the shit out of it. <laughs> so it's raw, like basically really mm. rare in the middle. And yeah. You that. that that steak to me is literally the best steak I've ever eaten in my life when you do something like that. Less than 24 hours later after you kill a deer.
1: Oh, it's wow. different,
0: doesn't
1: uh, it?
2: It's the freshest. Dude. The like freshest. You don't, you'll ever eat meat that fresh. mm
1: Everything out there in the woods tastes better. Oh, I mean, a yeah. yeah. Snickers bar on day six when you haven't had any chocolate is like the best Snickers bar you've <laughs> had in your whole life. It's the same thing. You kill an animal, yep. you know, you get back to camp, and you got a chance to, like, relish the experience and sit with it and, you know, mm-hmm. eat some of it. It does. It, it definitely it feels different. Taste, tastes better for sure. But at the same time,
0: though, doing some of that stuff came back to, like, haunt us a little bit because, like, got back so late at 1230 – You know, we're tired, we're doing all this, you know, made some food that night, kind of slept in in the morning. It's like, yeah, we don't have anything to do. Mm -hmm. And then once you wake up, it's finally sunny out, so we're like kind of soaking it in, soaking all the scenery around us. Like, wow, that was a, you know, really cool hunt and all that. Cooking all the back straps up, eating a bunch of meat, just hanging in camp. Finally, like, yeah, we should should really start packing up and getting out of here because it started hitting me like, wow, we have a long freaking way to go to get out. (laughs) And it's going to be heavy because now we throw all the gear on and we're trying to split up gear and trying to make it so we both can do it. And just, yeah, again, taking a million breaks, taking a million rest. And uh, as I was going down, um, I was really like, wow, it's going to be freaking dark out by the time we get out of here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now we're hiking in the dark again. And now shit's melting. So there's a lot of areas that are really slick and really, really Mighty, nasty yeah. and muddy and just like. But again, I have nowhere to be. So we can take it a bigger time. But it's like.
2: How long did it take you to hike out? Forever. Hours.
0: I think we got back, I don't know, nine or ten that night.
2: And you
1: left?
0: Uh, I don't know what time we left. We left probably around like noon or something.
1: You stayed that night at, at uh, the trucks? or did you pull, No, we started driving pull, right away. Pull out. Mm-hmm. And
0: that's a funny story too. So I wish we could capture this on film. So every time I'm driving home, it's late at night. We're in Podunk Towns. Mm-hmm. Nothing's open. Yeah, Nothing's open. There's not a gas station that's open you'll get any sort of drink. So Luke had this thought process. I, He's a genius. All these gas stations were closed. All we wanted to do was have a Mountain Dew. Like I don't drink pop at all sure. but i wanted a out and do so bad all we had was water we had i had no gatorade in the truck that's mm-hmm. another failure in my part i had nothing like in a cooler like, yeah. i had two coolers that had ice in it they didn't put any any drinks yeah, in leave, leave some beverages leave in some the beverages mm-hmm. so luke had this idea we finally got to a town where everything was closed down but it's like hey there's a, a motel over here it's like the vending machine vending machine in the motel mm-hmm. i had never thought of that before we machine. walked in like we owned the place so we had a room <laughs> we literally had to go down the hallway upstairs couldn't find it finally it was like this weird little area and then we get over there and it's like the credit card machine was broken oh, Damn <laughs> god so i had to go back to my truck i had to find some like coins i had or some dollars and then we had to go get those dollars converted at the front desk to quarters. <laughs> and we're not even staying there. And I'm like, uh, I hope we don't realize we're not staying. We're, we're trying to get some food. Starving. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And then we kept driving constantly. And then finally we hit some places where they actually should have some food. And then these, like, shitty fast food places were also closed for some stupid reason. And it was, like, 1, 2 in the morning. We were driving back. All we wanted was some dirty food.
1: Yeah, isn't that funny? Like, you, you leave a hunt. I've had hunts like that, too, where I've got out of the backcountry, and I've hit every fast food joint on the way home. Oh, I mean, 10-hour yeah. yeah. drive. I'll probably hit five different spots, and every one of them was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love it. Just love it every yeah. single
0: second of that. My whole truck seats are dirty, you know? just like, oh, it's, it's all worth it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's incredible. So it was a, it was a wild ride. I mean, I, I just want to go hunting now. I know, yeah. right? Every yeah. time we do one of this, I'm like. Oh, Me uh, too. I'm like, is it ready? Is it? How many
2: years? it
1: <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's. And you got it?
2: you got another Idaho tag this year. Did I? I don't know if he did. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. yeah, did. Yeah. I did. <laughs> He's going back. I'm going back. You're gonna do the same kind of way the hell in there.
0: Yep. Again, like that struggle, like that adventure, just like the, you know, I like testing myself. And there's just so many cool places out. Like that's what I was like. Why don't you go do different things? Why don't you do that? But it's like. There's so many different mountain ranges I can go to. There's so many different cool places in the lower 48 that I just want to explore. I want to hunt mule deer in every single state.
1: Mm-hmm. Every time you hunt a new unit, I always, I always feel this way. I always think, man, so many different cool areas that I'll never get to hunt. Yep. You start looking at a map after you get home from one of those hunts, and you're like, what about that spot? What about that area? What about that area? And it's just... Mm-hmm. There's never going to be enough falls to accommodate it all.
0: No, everything just makes me so excited for the following year. Like, I already know, you know, I have my tags. So I'm already e scouting. I'm already getting jacked on. I'm already like, when can I take some vacation? And like you were talking about the other day, like, how much time can we go scouting because of gas
1: prices? Like, can Ooh. we afford
0: to actually go scouting this summer, like, to boot boots on the ground? Like,
1: I tell you what, I'd give, all my, these thought I I I give my left one for some <laughs> cheaper gas prices right now. Oh, just, yeah. just for the ability to, I mean, you, you put a great tag in your pocket. I've got a great tag, and I just want to be out there. And I hate the fact that in the back of my mind, I'm going, man, it's going to be 180 bucks or something, you know, every time I want to drive out there on a weekend. Yeah. Yep. And that's cheap. I mean, that's yeah. that's cheaper than you know, like you going to Idaho. That's a whole that's yeah, a long haul. another tax yeah. bracket. Yeah. So yeah.
2: Yeah. If you haven't if you haven't checked out the film, it's on our Go Hunt YouTube channel. One more ridge, Brady, suffer fast adventure
0: yeah suffer fest, and like always, if anyone has any sort of questions, there's not a wrong question at all about gear about why I do things I do, definitely let me know. there's so many different ways to get hold me either on there on the article on the website, like we're happy to you know mm-hmm. talk through tactics and stuff like that,
2: and yeah, for sure, and then we're also doing a giveaway for this film, so check that out. the giveaway get entered to win and well best done, of luck. best of luck this hunting season. it's a fun rip
0: boys again I, I like our podcast studio so much. <laughs>
2: I love it. It's it's good vibes. It's not as hot in here as it to be. It's not. Yeah.
1: I think they turned the AC on today. Thank God. Come yeah. On. Yeah. We need to get some, like, stuff hung up in here maybe. Some Chinese lanterns. Yeah. <laughs> some lanterns actually might be kind of nice. <laughs> like one single lantern. We could do it at night in here. Yeah, yeah. the old Campos crush light. Yeah, yes. we could uh, kill all the lights and hang some lanterns from the inside. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, ambiance. Mm-hmm. Gets the conversation flowing. Need it. Yeah, love it. I appreciate you boys jumping on. To talk about my hunt. Yeah, well love done. It. I'm excited to see how this year goes. Yes Let's sir. do it again. Let's we'll do, do it again, again in a year.
0: Booyah.